Hi everyone, I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway. Podway. So in this podcast, we will be talking about things about musical theaters and plays. And in today's episode, we will be talking about Sweeney Todd. All right. So before we give you our own history with this specific musical, I guess I'll give the synopsis. So um, Sweeney Todd is uh, a, a musical about a barber who is falsely sentenced to exile and has his family ruined in the process. He secretly returns to London 15 years later to exact his revenge on the judge and beadle who wrongfully accused him. Um, and in his quest for vengeance, he murders all who comes his way. And uh, he also teams up with a pie shop owner, Mrs. Lovett, to dispose of the bodies of those whom he murders. All right. So what is your experience with uh, Sweeney Todd? Oh my god, so I'm really excited about this one. <laughs> I know you're excited about all the Disney's or like the Happy Tune musical, but yeah. personally, I have a taste for dark-themed stuff, so whether that's movies, songs, uh, musicals, anything that has to do with murder or crime, <laughs> that is wow. my that is my take. So I'm really excited. Um, I think this is one of the few musicals that touch upon those sort of themes. So I'm really, really happy that we're talking about this one in this episode. I personally have a history with Sweeney Todd probably back when I was still a pretty early teenager. I watched the movie with my family first. I didn't really quite enjoy it back then because there was a lot of blood, spoilers alert, that Wait, happened in the... Sorry? I have to ask. Yes. You're a fan of like things about murder, but you're not a fan of blood? I'm a fan about murders and crime, but I can't see blood. Like if it's if it gets very bloody, like the movie Saw or something, mm-hmm. where people were like tortured and they're killed, and you get to see all the flesh and the the, the blood and all that stuff, like that's very disgusting to that me. That is so. so interesting. I'm, it must yeah, be really so, difficult for you. <laughs> so I'm more interested in those like psychological crime sort of, so like serial killer. But anyways, that's just not just me. So I watched the movie with my family a few years back, and when I first watched it, I didn't really like it. It was very creepy, and to be Frankly honest, I feel like I didn't quite enjoy the songs back then all that mm. much. And if you watch the movie, then you'll know, like, overall, the movie has a very grim, dark color tone to it. So it's not very visually pleasant to watch to uh, begin with. Later, I found out that it's based on a musical surprise. Why didn't this <laughs> come to me earlier when they're all singing in the movie? And I decided to give it a watch and I really enjoyed it because it's just so different from all the other musicals that is just so happy and kind of like have a more positive energy jumping around that sort of stuff. So it's a very different and very unique theme in the musical Mm -hmm. world. And that's what I like about it. So yeah, what about you, Becky? Oh my god. Um, First, (laughs) I'm really, really happy that you enjoyed the psychological like drama aspect of it because um, Sweeney Todd is like based on a really old thing. So it used to be like serialized in, back in Victorian England in like 1846 to 1847. And then it was very like gory and like what you don't like from horror from my understanding at least. And then like in 1973 or something, they like uh, Stephen Sondheim who wrote a musical. Um, for me, my first exposure to Sweeney Todd was when I was about 13, 14, maybe. Um, and my classmate told me about it. And she told me like, oh, you know, people get eaten in here. They get 
baked into pies and they get murdered a lot. So I took it very harshly. Um, two things I cannot handle, as you all may recall, <laughs> is horror and tragedy, and this is both. So um, after she told me this, not watching anything of Sweeney Todd, but just hearing this, I couldn't eat properly for like a month and Aww. I couldn't sleep properly for a month. So I had a lot of difficulty with this one. After that, I had exposure to it to select songs. So every time anything related to the musical came up, I immediately avoided the conversation entirely and took myself out of the picture. And we're doing like um, song competitions or like um, an open mic where you can like sing different songs. And my friend and I wanted to um, put a song up there and we're like brainstorming a different song. And then she brought up um, Little Priest. And she told me it's from Sweeney Todd. I was like, no, no, I'm not doing this, no. And it, we didn't perform it in the end, but she did get me interested in Little Priest because it was the like one of the lesser gory, very, very like morbid aspect of the musical in terms of singing. Um, so I did warm up to that song specifically. And she's like, you really like these like grand arias that are like, you know, Christine Daae-esque. And there is one of those in Sweeney Todd, and you should check it out, which is Green Finch and Leonard Bird. And I've been obsessed with that song for a very, very long time. So that's a song that I really like, and as you will not be surprised to hear, it will be my favorite in here. But apart from that, I never, never watched it, never had any other exposure to it besides these two songs. So when I watched it for this episode, I was dreading it out of any other musical, more than anything else. I really didn't want to watch it. I really didn't want to do it at all. So I watched it once <laughs> for this, and I couldn't stomach anything else. I couldn't stomach the movie, that's for sure. So I think Claire might need to like put some some of her own narrative if I if I don't recall things 100%. But I, uh, yeah, I have a very complicated relationship with with Sweeney Todd. Yeah, difficult. Oh, I feel bad. No, oh, no. Oh, sorry, Becky, I chose this. For those who don't know, me and Becky <laughs> kind of, like, take turns choosing what we're going to be talking about next. So as Becky chose a Harry Potter musical in Frozen, I chose Mamma Mia and Sweeney Todd. And I hope that doesn't traumatize you too much. Mamma Mia makes up for it. Mamma Mia is so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgive you, Claire. Um, no, no, Thank I'm you, joking. thank you. I, I made you go through a Harry Potter musical, so... I'm sure that wasn't your gem. So <laughs> I think that's we're okay. Actually, like my family has been rewatching the Harry Potter series, and whenever like there's things parallel to the musical, I just can't stop laughing. So I end <laughs> up having to show them clips from that musical so they can understand why it's so funny to me. But anyways, that's just a side note. Really? Oh my god! Yeah. So you showed it to your family? Yeah, I did. Oh my god! I'm yeah, so they did like it though. They think the songs are pretty bad. <gasps> That's fine. <laughs> That's okay. It's the same as my family. I think like it's a you have to you have to watch it at the right moment. So yeah. if you're a teenager, perfect for you. Um, I guess we can go to the musical proper. So it starts with a prelude. So the prelude is called The Ballad of Sweeney Todd, Attend the Tale of Sweeney Todd. And we will hear the ballad constantly throughout the musical um, at like select intervals. So in this prelude, the characters of the musical sing about Sweeney Todd and ask the audience to listen to what is going to unfold. By Sweeney, by Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street.
So I really like this kind of opening because mm-hmm. to me it's very similar to I think it was called She's Dead in Wicked, mm-hmm. and I like how it opens by having some kind of flashback,、uh, almost like they're telling a story to the audience, breaking that fourth wall, telling you what happened from before.、Mm-hmm. And I just really like how this kind of opening is echoing the ending.、Mm-hmm. So my personal taste, and this is just for me, but I really like that、um, flashback telling the story kind of narrative. And、right. I also like how it just gives you a very creepy vibe right away.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> They did such a good job showing you the industrial age of London. And I watched the 1982 version, by the way, in case、yeah. like anybody is wondering.、Um, but they had a lot of metal made props and stage settings on the stage. And obviously, compared to what we have now, the props they used back then were very simple. But I feel like it doesn't take away the fact that all the actors on the stage they have a very grim, very scary facial expression, and it right away, along with the music too, gives you a very depressing, dark vibe、mm-hmm. that kind of just set the tone of this entire play. And when the show opens with this kind of like a working class of Fleet Street to begin their labor, and then、mm-hmm. this cast of just ghostly figures. Appear, then they all just start singing about the tale of Sweeney Todd, and they're、mm-hmm. ready to tell you what happened. It's just it gives me that、um, Jack the Ripper vibe in yeah, some way. A hundred percent, yeah. I also think it was a very good song. The entire like ballad, every time it's interwoven throughout the musical, is very well done, and it's critical for it to be well done because it's appearing so often. Yeah. And because it appears so often, it also、um, is very memorable. So like the repetition makes it very memorable in your mind. So I also really, really thought the ballad was well done. It is very creepy. The makeup, the set design, they did a very good job in showing the grim darkness of what it is. And Sweeney does look proper scary, and I think he looks like the scariest out of all of them, which is probably what they were shooting for. Musically, it's really beautiful. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, throughout the、uh, all the ballads, they have like a Dies Irae, so like it's like the death chant, which like symbolizes all the death and destruction that is going to be happening in the musical. And we also hear. The creepiest, creepiest whistle, I think, for the first time. So they have like the, I think it's supposed to be for the train、mm-hmm. that happens whenever somebody gets murdered. And yeah, yeah, and that happens. Chilling me to my bones. It is creepy. So this is like the first time we're going to hear about it, and it's really setting the mood for everything that comes up, and kind of like gets your mind. Thinking about like, oh, why is this relevant? What's is it just for like effect? Is it just because they know it sounds creepy? And then, as a the musical folds, you understand like, oh no, this actually has a purpose within the musical. So I thought this was really really cool, especially with the combination with DC Ray,、um, how many ways they can symbolize death. So I also watched the 1982、uh, version you sent,、um, and the performers there were very good. They were very very good, and they sang so beautiful together. Yeah.、Um, the harmonization is off the charts beautiful. So I do completely understand that even though the subject is really not for me, the music in here is absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, very very important、um, song and is a very good opening number. You said it reminded you of Wicked. To me, it reminded me of Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812,、um, in which they have a prologue as well. And in the prologue, they all introduce themselves, so they're also breaking the fourth wall.、Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh, you know, this is a very difficult musical to follow, so please pay attention."、Um, <laughs> and this really reminded me because here, because they said like, "Oh, attend the tale of Sweeney Todd," so like pay attention to the to the story here. 
All right, so now we're opening with Act One proper, um, and it starts with No Place Like London. I have sailed the world, beheld its wonders, from the Dardanelles to the mountains of Peru, but there's no place like London. I feel home again. I could hear the city bells ring, whatever I would do. No, there's no place like London. Mr. Thompson? You are young. Life has been kind to you. In this, Sweeney and Anthony arrive to London by boat. Um, we learn that like Anthony saved Sweeney's life. And we also see a beggar woman who asks for alms. Anthony gives her some money as she propositions him. Um, so we get to see like Anthony is a really good guy. He saves Sweeney. He gives alms to the poor. And kind of like after she moves away from Anthony, she also asks for Sweeney from, for alms. Um, and she seems to recognize Sweeney. So what did you think of No Place Like London? So I like how it features Todd and a young Anthony mm-hmm. looking at a city with very different views. Yeah. In this song, Anthony is he's just so young, he's so hopeful. He's seeing London as a place to call home and full of opportunity to find success, pretty much. Like any young people would do, to be honest. And he begins the song lightly. Mm-hmm. To be later joined by Todd, who kind of turns the song into a far more brutal ballet it can occur seeing the london as the city of dirty and shit smelling city full of liars yeah they have and very that, different <laughs> very very different indeed and this contrast in its own provides like a very brilliant moment of the characters between todd and anthony and it mm-hmm. kind of proves why using music can be so moving because in this single song like, we get a certain level of kind of exposure to who they are and learn on the service that his motivation throughout the film too, or like throughout the musical. Mm-hmm. It kind of invites the audience in with the promise of a pretty dark term <laughs> to the musical later on. If you didn't catch that in the, in the opening number, like here is for sure you set the tone, you are expecting something dark to happen from mm-hmm. this point on. And like you said, we are introduced to the woman beggar from the song. One thing I also want to mention is that we actually did not see the beggar woman from the movie in the song. But instead, oh, really? like she show up at a much later time. Interesting. So it's very interesting and very clever, too, to have the musical kind of introduce this character earlier on um, in the musicals. This is like... The first song, right? Technically. Mm -hmm. So very, very clever move. Um, We constantly sees her on the stage here and there throughout the whole musical. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why that we are about to learn. But at this point, I think nobody really cared with nobody really pay attention. And the other thing is that she appeared to be a lot more sexual than she is in the movie. Mm -hmm. So in the movie, she didn't really offer any kind of proposition or like any sexual references to mm-hmm. um, Anthony to Todd to anybody really she just kind of begging on the street yeah. but in the musical version we can for sure see that she is suffering from some sort of mental disorder or like some kind of psychological disorders and she is not saying like she's not normal and we can wait that. so in yeah. the movie she is just poor 
That's it? She's just poor, and she kind of, like, speaks to herself here and there, but she's not as sexual, is the point I'm trying to give. Is the insanity point, so, like, part of the issue... So, when she was here, like, mm-hmm. there was a really big, drastic change between her thanking him, thanking Anthony for giving her, like, money... Uh, to survive and between her propositioning him and that kind of showcases also that she has some kind of like mental affliction um because the change is so drastic it's like something in her flipped is it as pronounced in the movie or no no it's not like we can see that she's poor and she's kind of crazy but nothing that is this obvious i see okay okay yeah in terms of her, I also thought they did it in a very good way, not only by showcasing her here, which I guess they didn't do in the movie, which is kind of weird, but also they buried the lead. So I don't know if we'll reveal it real bit later, I guess, but like they buried <laughs> the lead in terms of like her importance there because she notices a strange smell coming from from the pie shop and she notifies the authorities. And like, if you didn't know ahead of time what was happening, you can think like oh this was her purpose in the musical this is why she's there so mm-hmm. I really like how they handle her character because they're bearing the lead very well with her by showcasing the interactions of both Sweeney and Anthony to her so I think there is a saying I'm probably not quoting it 100% but like you can really see how a person is who like really inside from how they interact with people who they perceive as lesser than them mm-hmm. so you can see Anthony is a very wholesome boy, and he tries to help when he can. When she propositions him, which is very inappropriate, he doesn't react aggressively or anything like that. He just, like, tries to distance himself and make sure that she knows that, she, like, he's not interested. And Sweeney is very aggressive with her. He shoes her away. He doesn't want anything to do with her. He has no um, empathy to, towards her, unlike Anthony. So I think the fact that you can see that straight away from the first song is really important. And it yeah. showcases how jaded Sweeney is towards London versus Anthony, who still views everything with, like, rose-colored glasses, right? Yeah. So, like, it also um, aids it with the lyrical stuff. So I, I really like this song. I think it's a it's a pretty good song. It's, it's nice and catchy, and it uh, gives you, like, a sense of wonder. So the next song is The Barber and His Wife. So Sweeney expresses his disgust for London, which is something we discussed before, and he sings about his past. So we learned he was a barber who was married to a beautiful woman, um, but another man, a judge, who removed Sweeney from the picture, which is presumably why he isn't in London or wasn't in London for the past 15 years, because he wanted to marry the wife himself. So what do you think about The Barber and His Wife? So I really like the acting here. Mm. Uh, Todd's face goes from contorted with hate to kind of soft and sad when he sings about his wife. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that the acting was definitely great here. It's very, very challenging to be singing and acting at the same time. He His face shows deep sadness and then to rage and then to kind of like a righteous anger. Mm-hmm. And then this expression across his face just so contradictory, but at the same time, very true. Yeah. Very convincing. It's very relatable. Like, I just really love what he did in this performance. Um, So I just want to give it a shout out here. And I don't know when you say, like, the judge wants to marry his wife instead, and that's why he removes Sweeney from the picture. I don't know if he wanted to marry her, but one thing for sure is that he desires her beauty. That's that we know for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he really wanted to. mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. The reason why I think he wanted to marry her is because later on we find out that he wants to marry Johanna. And the reason why he didn't marry her is because, like, 
she poisoned herself and she became insane, which I guess, like, hey, is a reveal now. Um, so I think he wanted to marry her because of that. Okay. feel like his wish to marry Johanna is, like, a whole another sick move or, like, a motive behind that. I don't know if it's, it has any relations to his feelings towards Sweeney's wife, Lucy, that's her name. Um, but, but yeah, I'll just leave it there. I guess it's open to however you want to interpret it or understand it. But for me, it doesn't feel like he has a true romantic feelings toward Lucy, no, no, but at least that's my take. Whenever he has that kind of like marrying her, it's not marrying her for love. It's marrying her to like possess something, not like yeah, something. Exactly. exactly. Not even somebody. So yeah. he doesn't really think of any of the women he pursues as people. He doesn't have any true affection towards them. It's just lust. Um, so yeah, just the marrying part is definitely not for love to make that clear. Um, in terms of what I thought, I thought it was extremely well acted, like you said. So, um, I believe the person who played Sweeney is George Hearn, who is like a very famous Broadway actor. And he not only was terrifying, um, but he also did have moments of quiet reflection that seemed obviously not serene, but more like calm and collected and sad and he managed to flip between the sad and the quietly enraged parts very well in here specifically so it came from like I guess a more understandable point in the beginning Mm -hmm. and you can kind of understand it by how he sings about her but it becomes something that is completely monstrous right yeah, but to be honest, I feel like because we do to get to know uh, Sweeney's story from the beginning, it makes me question my morality in a way, because for a lot of the times, obviously murder is wrong, mm-hmm. and he did kill a lot more people than what he intended to, but knowing his story, I feel like it has the audience being very empathized, or like sympathize him, and you kind of almost at one point kind of root for him, but at least I did. And Mm -hmm. like really just hope that he gets the revenge that he seeks. Personally, I don't have the same feelings as you. I obviously didn't want anybody to come in contact with the judge and the beetle. Um, I wanted them to get their justice they deserve. And by that, I mean to be sentenced for life or something. But I don't know. I personally don't believe in like capital punishment or anything like that. I didn't want them dead necessarily. And obviously I didn't want anybody who is innocent to be murdered. But yes, song itself, I think it's also very good. In fact, to me, most of the songs are excellent. And especially in Act 1, I think they're particularly good. So I enjoyed it uh, very much. Okay, moving on to the very, very central character here. So Sweeney walks into a pie shop and we see Mrs. Lovett for the first time. Uh, She's very excited to see Sweeney, um, who is a customer, or so she thought, um, since her shop hasn't been doing so hot. And she admits that's probably because her pies are the worst in London. In the song, The Worst Pies in London. Would you like a drop of oil? Mind you, I can't hardly blame them. These are probably the worst pies in London. I know why nobody cares to take them. I should know and make them. But good now, the worst pies in London. Even that's polite, the worst pies in London. If you doubt it, take a bite. If I think of Sweeney Todd as like an embodiment of the inherent danger of anger, I feel like 
Mrs. Lovett is pretty much the embodiment of the danger of loneliness because we do see that she's been lonely. She is a widow. She apparently didn't have any children, and she doesn't even have customers. She's before. a widow. I think so. Yes. I thought she never married. No, 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 said, no. Like, didn't she say like, oh, you know, she had all this like extramarital sex, and by marrying Sweeney, it will be justified. No, she's a widow in most versions, at least. Okay. Um, okay. Actually, even in the movie, her husband's name is also mentioned. I think his name was Albert. Okay, okay. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, before Sweeney arrives, um, her shop doesn't even have customers. So we can imagine that she has a pretty lonely life and she is pretty poor. Um, so her desperation for attention, for recognition, and for, I guess, lust almost, for company, sends her to a verbal overdrive here in the song. <laughs> like, mm. she talks a lot. Like, she before does. Sweeney even had a chance to say anything, she was like, you're a customer, sit down here, have a pie, have a drink, and, and she just kind of talks on her own nonstop. Mm-hmm. So it's actually quite a funny song, and I would think that Mrs. Lovett is rather a very comical character in yeah. the musical. The character in the musical versus in the movie is also kind of different. So in the musical, she kind of wears pink. She's very colorful Mm -hmm. uh, visually, and she is very loud. So very almost adorable character, to be honest. Like, Mm -hmm. judging by her personality, she talks a lot, and she's just a very... She's very warm, person, to be honest. Very warm. Mm-hmm. Um, what she does is absolutely horrible, but, <laughs> but her personality is very adorable. Uh, but in the movie, however, Mrs. Lovett is very, very dark. Um, mm-hmm. I think her name was Helena Carter. Helena Bonham Carter. I'm sure you knew this, actually. But she, Johnny Depp, and Tim Burton have, like, a triad. So Tim Burton yeah. is the director of the movie. So, like, seeing them as the two leading role is no surprise <laughs> to me in the movie yeah. no, obviously I've never seen the movie but like yeah if you know yeah. something about Tim Burton exactly. they'll be there yeah and speaking of cast I guess I'll just mention it here too um so a couple weeks ago we did a very Potter musical and I also watched Harry Potter and I realized that there is a lot of actors in Harry Potter also in this movie so it's almost like a reunion it's Except very for funny Helena Bonham Carter who oh Alan Rickman oh my god rest yes. in peace I really like him yeah I, I really like him too was really tempted to see the movie just for him but I was like <laughs> I do not need the emotional and psychological scarring that the movie will give me and I think the beetle was the person who was Wormtail in, oh. the, in the movie too sorry in the Harry Potter series too mm-hmm. so it's very interesting and I think Johnny that eventually he also show up in one of the Harry Potter movies so we did not talk about that <laughs> we did not talk about it but he was there he was there so very interesting Harry Potter slash series reunion in this movie well not reunion it, I think it comes he before he was in Fantastic Beasts I'm going to repress it from the canon Anyways, that's not the point. <laughs> so coming back to Sweeney Todd, I, in general, just really enjoy the song because the Mrs. Lovett, she's very lively, she's very energetic, and it's kind of just provides a very funny add addition to mm-hmm. the musical. A very different performance compared to the movie, but nonetheless very interesting, and I enjoy both, really, I what do. What was the movie like? So how, how is her personality different in the movie? So I think in the movie, she's a lot less bubbly. She Mm. looks a little bit more crazy, to be honest. Mm. She looks very dark. And I think she talks to herself 
quite a bit too. But Mrs. Lovett, like in the musical, she looks like she is like the neighbor that you all mm-hmm. have, you know. I don't know, like an auntie. From she's very mumsy. She's very yeah. adorable. Actually. Very motherly too. So yeah. very different performance for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Good to know. I mean, I think it makes sense considering Helena Bonham Carter like repertoire as an actress. She does like like the crazy, um, but lo- like not the bubbly crazy, the like mm-hmm. more dark brooding crazy, which I think is the same for Johnny Depp for a lot of things. Yeah, I really like The Worst Pies in London. I think it's a really important song because it kind of gives you a reprieve from all the, like, nastiness that we've seen so far. Because you do get to see a character who is quite bubbly and quite lovely, actually. And is very honest. Like, she has a lot of redeeming characters, which I could not see in Sweeney, to be honest. (laughs) Besides his love for the family, for his family, which I appreciated, um, I couldn't see many redeeming, like, characters in him. But in her, I did see a lot. And it's interesting that you said that, like, you can see her destructiveness coming from loneliness. Because what I perceived her destructiveness coming from is love. But I can totally see the loneliness aspect because she is lonely because she has nobody else to love, right? And yeah, her, it's her desire exactly. to love, in my opinion, or, like, at least how I read it, that fuels her complicity or, like, her mm-hmm. active um, involvement in this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, her her character is very interesting, and um, from what I've read about like the making of the musical, is that the two leads they got to develop their characters all by themselves, so they didn't have any notes about how to act their characters out. So all the like craziness and all the quirks that came with Mrs. Lovett came entirely from Angela Lansbury, which I thought was very ingenious of her. So yeah, very good performance, a plus song. All right, so from this we move to Poor Thing. So Sweeney asks if there is a room above the shop she could rent out to help with the money situation. And Mrs. Lovett admits that there is a room, but since people think it's haunted, no one will rent it. And then she tells him what happens in that room and why people think it's haunted. So um, there was a skilled barber who lived there who was transported for being foolish, according to her. He had a beautiful wife um, and a judge and the beetle lusted after her. And to make her notice them, the, they tried a husband and sent him to Australia, which left her only with herself and her one-year-old daughter, Johanna. So up to here, we see it's exactly the same as what Sweeney told about his own life. And then she continues on saying the beetle lured the wife, Lucy, to the judge's house where the judge raped her. And Sweeney reveals that he was the husband in the story. His real name is Benjamin Barker. And we find out that his wife, Lucy, poisoned herself afterwards with arsenic. And Johanna, who was the daughter, was adopted by the judge. Um, The name of the judge is Judge Turpin. And it's been 15 years since then. And we also find that he came to get his revenge on the judge and the beetle. And that's why he's back in London. So what do you think about Poor Thing? Musically, I didn't enjoy it as mm. much. I thought that this just, just the tone of it is something that I didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. But the musical, the staging, the setting was very clever because mm. the two of them kind of chat about this part of the history downstairs in the shop. And then it showed the audience like what happened on the rooftop. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was very clever. And again, in 1982, you can't really expect much. No fancy props, no fancy stage settings, no nothing like that. But it's very straightforward and mm-hmm. is still a very clever way of representing like what happened, I think. 
And also the other thing is that the mask that they wear in the ball, there were animal masks. And I thought that was also another very smart representation of just their true nature of those who attended the ball and who tricked Lucy into coming to the ball. And obviously they just stand by and watched. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was a very smart idea to have them wear the mask of an animals because that's just really what they are deep inside. I didn't um, even notice that. They just looked grotesque to me when I watched it in the oh, musical. I think it's more obvious in the movie. Uh, I see, I see. Yeah. One thing that I noticed about the song that I thought was a really clever echo, kind of when Mrs. Lovett recounts what happened, she sings about Sweeney more than about Lucy. So in the song, The Barber and His Wife, Sweeney keeps mentioning that Lucy was very beautiful. And he says, mm-hmm. and she was beautiful. And she was beautiful. And in this song, in Poor Thing, like Mrs. Lovett says, and he was beautiful. And you kind of see like, oh, she she has the liking to him. She has the hearts for him a little bit. So I actually did enjoy it. I also enjoyed the way that she says poor thing. It reminded me of a very, like, kind of like a songbird. She has a very high pitch when she sings it compared to everything else that comes in the in the song. And it reminded me of Johanna a lot because of her song, like, or her persona revolving around birds. And I don't know if there is a connection there at all. It just reminded me strongly of it. And I, I liked it. So the song itself, in my opinion, was also very, very good. I think... Uh, obviously, this is not something that I have any knowledge about. I, I'm not like very musically gifted or anything. But I watched like the Sideway video about uh, Sweeney Todd like a few like ages ago, and I also read a little bit about the music composition. And apparently, they the musical has more more than like 20 light motifs interwoven wow. throughout it to like represent different aspects and different people. And I thought it was really impressive. So like it's so critically well done I think um so I think this is just something that I picked on that I thought was impressive all right so moving on Mrs. Lovett finds um Sweeney's old knives from when he was a barber and uh she gives him his knives back um so Sweeney sings about the blades and how faithful friends they are and Mrs. Lovett sings with him but is also like still suggestive of loving him and offers him to move into his old apartment. And then um, in the song, Sweeney also says, soon you will draw precious rubies. So the plan is already like really hatched in his mind. Like as soon as the blades come into the picture, like he's in trance, he's very single-minded and very focused on what he's going to do and how he's going to do it, I found. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of my friends? So... I think what he meant by friend is not only something that he is familiar with, but also this is like the blade is his only friend in this journey of revenging. Oh, that's a great point. Yes. Honestly. That's interesting though, because he refers to the chair. So later on, he gets a specialized chair that allows him to dispose of bodies straight to like the bakehouse. Mm-hmm. And he refers to the chair as his friend as well. So maybe yeah. there's a duality in exactly. terms of like, the weapon that assists him in, in his revenge and also is the thing that matters to him in the world. But I haven't, I haven't considered it that way. That's interesting. Yeah. It's a good song narratively. Mm-hmm. It just, too creepy for me personally so I couldn't really connect to it but I do acknowledge this if if this like horror psychological drama is your thing you probably would like the song because it's like well made and it has a really important narrative within the plot it's just not my thing at all all right so um he shouts at last my arm is complete again and we hear the ballad of Sweeney Todd reprise um and that's when the Diaz era foreshadowing to all the subsequent deaths 
like comes up again. So we moved on to my favorite song. So we cut to Johanna um, tending to the birds and she sings Greenfinch and Leonard Bird. When she sings, Anthony kind of like walks in and he hears her and he falls in love instantly. And throughout the song, she kind of like compares herself to the birds and asks to learn from them how to sing, how to become adaptive when she's so re- when they're so restricted. So I just want to mention that Johanna's character is super different in the movie versus in the musical. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, the musical version that we watch, she looks like she's a little bit crazy and she is suffering from some kind of mental... Wait, she looks crazy to you in the musical? I think so. I didn't pick up on that. Really? I think there's a lot of signs showing that she, because she's been locked up Mm -hmm. um, since like her childhood or something, like she Mm -hmm. has suffering from some sort of like mental disorder. That is my understanding. But in the movie, she is super different. Because they did cut a lot of her songs in yeah. the movie. So most of the time she was just kind of there. Okay, so like I feel like the the insanity aspect is a bit debatable. To me, Greenfinch and Little Bird is like, oh, are you defiant or have you made peace with it? And because you've made peace with it, that's why you can still sing. So like, is it that you made peace with your situation or is it that you're singing in defiance of your situation in spite of it? So that's what I got personally from the song. Um, and this performer in the 1982 version has crazy high voice. She's like amazing. And her voice, which we'll hear later in uh, Miss, blends beautifully with Anthony. So we can we can approach Amis. So Anthony sings about his love for Johanna and Johanna notices Anthony, but is interrupted by the bagger woman. So mm-hmm. Anthony asks her, the bagger woman, if she knows whose house Johanna is staying at. And she says it's Judge Turpin's house. And she also tells him who Joanna is, but warns him against going into the house because it will be really dangerous for him. And then Johanna kind of joins him again when he's singing A Miss, and they harmonize together, her singing Greenfinch and Leonard Bird. And as I mentioned just now, like their voices really blend beautifully. And I personally appreciate every little bit of wholesomeness within this musical that I can get and latch onto it immediately and this is like one little kernel of wholesomeness <laughs> I can literally get from the musical okay so I feel like I have a very different view from you um <laughs> I do question their love a lot but one thing for sure is that I think Anthony is so cute when he's so just cute. jumping Aww. around singing about how attractive he is to Johanna and I thought it was so adorable and there is this very interesting metaphor here in this. Well, it's kind of like oh, after that's in the, the song. song. Oh, is it a next song? Yeah, it's a Johanna. I know. We can move on to Johanna if you'd like. Okay. Yeah, we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in Johanna, Anthony does by the bird, as you mentioned. And he wanted to give it to Johanna because she admired it so much. And he finds out that they sing because the seller blinds them. So they will not know night from day. And then they sing regardless. And Johanna exits the house and sees Anthony, who gives her the bird, or tries to give her the bird, and uh, tries to confess his love. And then Judge Turpin walks in, along with the beetle, and they uh, enter before Johanna can, like, react to Anthony's, like, I don't know, confession. And uh, the judge threatens Anthony right away. But when Anthony refuses to leave, like the judge asks, 
the beetle takes the bird from its cage and murders it, saying it will be him next time. I think, in a way, it symbolizes how Johanna is like. And I feel like it's very obvious that the judge has been molesting her all this time because he said something like, you look great in this gown. He said it in a very obvious way. Yes, yes. And she, like, the reaction she had was to just scream and she ran off. Mm -hmm. And he laughed. With this really creepy laugh, he entered her room. I totally understand where you're coming from in terms of the molestation. I didn't perceive it that way, but I could totally see how you would do it. Obviously, see that the judge is completely disgusting to her and has every single ill intention in the world towards her. But I thought that it didn't come to molestation. Yeah, that's just my take on it. Um, In terms of the song itself, uh, obviously the birds are a complete metaphor for Johanna. The breaking of the cage is a metaphor for him rescuing Johanna. So obviously very, very fitting metaphor for this. Um, But the song itself is very, very sweet. Very necessary during this madness. I do love Anthony's vocals. Every single bit of a heroic hero, like you can think about, like the classic prince. That's what he sounds like to me. Yeah. Yeah. I I just like Anthony's vocal. I think he's really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and this song kind of comes up a a lot, too. Mm. So we'll still be hearing it after this. And I'm not complaining. I like it. (laughs) All right. So from here, we cut to a fair. A con man is um, kind of like singing about a miracle elixir by Pirelli that transformed him from being a bald man to having a full head of hair. And the conman or the henchman that will uh, later learn his name is Toby. Was Pirelli's miracle elixir, that's what did the trick, sir. True, sir, true. Was it quick, sir? Did it in a tick, sir? Just like an elixir ought to do. So this is a very catchy song. It feels like an advertisement. One really big difference is that in the musical, he looks like he is an adult with some intellectual disability. Mm. And in the movie, they changed this character completely to a a child. Oh, okay. So I can understand why they wanted to change it to a child in the movie. It's probably because the ending for Toby is very sad. And I feel like it maybe it is a little bit too much. So mm-hmm. maybe it makes more sense to have a child there. But at the same time, once you have a child in the film, like the vocal is just not there. And plus, <laughs> fair. no, no, it's That's not fair. just That's fair. the skills. It's more like this, a voice of a child just doesn't really fit in with the overall tone of this musical because it's very dark, right? right. Um, so for me, that seems a little bit weird, but I can't understand why they do that. So I have a question. So obviously, like, Toby is played by an adult in the musical, mm-hmm. but is it because he is meant to be an adult? Because is it intentional? Do you think that, like, he's supposed to be an adult with intellectual disabilities, or do you think they meant for him to be a child? I have no idea, to be honest. Mm. But I can understand if in the original version he was supposed to be a child, and then in the musical adaption they decided to hire an adult to play him, just because Toby has a lot of songs, and it's very dark. 
yeah. too. So it's yeah. probably very traumatizing if you do hire a child、uh, musical actor to play Toby. So if that's the case, I totally understand why. But if it's the exact opposite, I can also kind of see the reason behind it. But I'm not really sure which one is supposed to be. Yeah, for me, the song is again very good. But it's very good, not because of the song itself, but because of the orchestration. So the song itself is cute, but it's not overwhelmingly good. But the orchestration in the beginning really reminded me of like a Star Wars score. It was like very heroic undertone for some reason, and then as it continues on, it kind of like gives me Harry Potter vibe with like really whimsical like continuation and almost like childish. So. The listening to the music and the orchestra,、uh, orchestration behind the words is literally the highlight of the song for me. So now we're going to mash together the contest part. So there's contest part one and part two,、um, and we'll also mash it together with the second reprise of the ballad of Sweeney Todd. In the name of the reprise is Sweeney pondered and Sweeney planned. To start with the contest, we see Pirelli entering after the henchman Toby introduced him, and Sweeney reveals around him that the elixir is a sham. So he also bets with him that he can shave someone a lot better than Pirelli can. In order to judge the contest or the bet, Sweeney suggests that the Beetle will be the one to do the judging, and、um, Pirelli sings about his talent and accomplishments as a barber while Sweeney is crowned the winner ultimately. But before leaving the fair, the onlookers ask if Sweeney has his own barber shop, and Mrs. Lovett invites them to the shop above her pie shop, which we'll see will end up becoming Sweeney's parlor. And in the end, we cut to the choir again singing about how Sweeney planned、uh, for his revenge after this. So, what do you think about the whole contest? I think that、uh, Pirelli, he is also a very funny, very comical character、yeah. in this musical, which is very rare. Honestly, I don't really have too much to say in terms of the music of these three songs because they are just kind of mad to me. The contest is okay. I don't think it's very impressive <laughs> in terms of like the music. It's just like supposed to be, I guess, a little bit more lightheartedness at the expense of Pirelli and kind of like setting the、uh, groundwork for like Sweeney becoming a pretty famous barber and renowned for his skill. So it does have narrative purpose, but I just think musically, it doesn't really come close to the song that precedes it, which is Pirelli's Miracle Elixir, or the song that come after this, which is Wait. So、um, we cut to the beggar woman asking for alms or food from Mrs. Lovett, who shoes her away, and Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney furnish his barber shop as Sweeney waits very impatiently for the beadle to come.、Uh, so Mrs. Lovett urges him to wait patiently. To be honest, it's not much musically, but、mm. we do get to see the romantic side of Mrs. Lovett. And she thinks about wanting to decorate Sweeney's room with flowers to kind of brighten it up, which I think is such a clever metaphor. I see it as like she thinks of herself as the flower, because she also was wearing an apron that also has flowers on it,、mm -hmm. and she often wears colors such as like yellow or blue, which is very colorful and lively compared to Sweeney's costume because he wears white or gray all the time. And by saying that I want to decorate your room with flowers. It's like almost saying that she wish she can brighten up Sumi's life. Yeah. So that's very interesting. The color contrast between the two characters is very obvious in the musical. It's not so much in the movie because both characters are wearing something that's really dark. So、mm -hmm. I feel like that's a that's a shame. Like it's such a different characterization in the musical, and I kind of wish that I adapted it in the movie too. But that's just the way it is. Anyways, 
I also think that the line of the gilly flowers is very interesting because in the song she was suggesting to use gilly flowers instead of daisies.、Mm-hmm. So gilly flowers historically is one of the original romantic plants for lovers,、oh. and it's very commonly used in wedding. Oh, I didn't、so、know that. I only、um, researched this because I feel like there is some kind of symbolism behind this. So it's a very nice symbolism for her love. So very very clever. And daisies, I think, on the other hand, kind of symbolizes Sweeney's wife Lucy because it's very pure, innocent, and it also symbolizes youth, which is something that's been emphasized for Lucy because she's always mentioned as beautiful and young. Honestly, you read a lot more into this than I did, and I'm so glad you did because this is fascinating to me. I didn't catch at all the flower symbolism. I didn't even think about flowers as a metaphor, and that's really, really interesting to me. And it really helps actually contextualize the song a bit differently for me and appreciate、mm-hmm. it more. All right, so moving on to a very important part for sure.、Um, it's Pirelli's death. So、um, Pirelli climbing up to the barber shop, and Pirelli asks Mrs. Lovett to leave him and Sweeney alone. So Pirelli reveals that he's a fraud, and he used to be Sweeney's apprentice. He demands his five pounds back, as well as half of Sweeney's profit when customers come in, to keep Sweeney's true identity a secret, since Sweeney is there illegally, essentially. And Sweeney chokes him until he's kind of like incapacitated. And meanwhile,、uh, his henchman remembers Pirelli has an appointment, and he rushes upstairs to remind him. And Sweeney hides the body in a trunk. And Sweeney tells him、uh, Pirelli left. Actually, so after the henchman leaves, Sweeney murders Pirelli proper using his razors, which is the first time he murders anybody and the first time he murders somebody using razors. And、um, this is where the choir sings the third reprise of the Ballad of Sweeney Todd. His hands were quick, his fingers strong. So, what do you think of this sequence? I think this signifies a very important moment in his murdering career because this is the first person that he he killed. So I can understand he had the determination to kill the beetle and the judge, but it's very surprising, or maybe not so surprising for some people, that he also had a very cold heart to murder somebody that easily. He、mm. made that decision on the spot. So,、mm. kind of echoing to what you said about the first song, where you can tell the personality and the character, well, like the human nature of、uh, Sweeney, you can definitely see that even embody even further here because he just didn't really feel much. He didn't have much feelings toward his action,、mm-hmm. and he didn't really think much after that. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, obviously, I can compare it to the movie, but I feel like the act of literally. Almost murdering somebody with your own two hands—that is very graphic to me. In terms of like, Mrs. Lovett was very complicit too because after he explained to her why he murdered Pirelli, she's like, "Oh yeah, I understand." Yeah, like, that was her essential reaction. Yeah, I mean,、that's... you can you can see that they're pretty much made for each other in terms <laughs> of partners in crime. Both of them lacks basic sympathy or like basic morality even. Yes, yes, exactly. In terms of like musically, I don't think there is much to it besides like I think you hear the whistle again and again. It drives like drives me absolutely bonkers. So scary whenever I hear it, and I don't know why. It's a whistle, but just very unsettling, and it makes me jump every time I hear it. Honestly, the murder itself before the bad, in my opinion, had less. Gravitas, because、mm-hmm. Pirelli has been rubbing it in his face, and it like the song Pirelli Death has like even humoristic elements to it. 
Um, I found, and, like, this really helps it sink in for me. Um, okay, so there is a song called Johanna Mia Culpa that was not in the 1982 version we watched. So it was cut in the original version of Sweeney Todd, but it has been included in almost every version afterwards. So we're, we're not going to address it here because the version we've seen doesn't have it, and I believe the original version also doesn't have it, but it exists in a lot of other versions, so I just wanted to mention it. The next song after that is Kiss Me. So we cut to the judge sentencing a man to death, and the judge decided to marry Johanna in a couple of days and relays this information to the Beatles. And we learn that Johanna is not happy about this. So um, we then cut to Johanna and Anthony. Johanna tells him about the judge's plan and says she would rather die than marry the judge. Anthony tells her of his own plan to elope with her. Um, what do you think of Kiss it's a very messy song. It is. Um, Johanna appears very, very paranoid. She is scared. And again, she shows signs of suffering illusions. I have a hard time believing Johanna loved Anthony back. And to me, she just seems like she just won a way out. She mm-hmm. literally sings, I don't know who you were. So, um, so the next song is kind of a continuation of, of Kiss Me. And you did talk a little bit about it. The next song is Ladies in Their Sensitivity with Kiss Me, and it's a quartet between Anthony, Johanna, the judge, and the Beatle. So the Beatle advises Judge Turpin to clean up and look nice in order to win Johanna's affection, and he tells the judge of Sweeney's shop where he can get a shave. And then Anthony and Johanna also played plan their honeymoon, and then that's exactly when we learned that Johanna didn't even know Anthony's name until the song. Yeah and the ladies in their sensitivities. It's actually kind of funny because I feel like it's a very indirect way of saying that you look shit. And, <laughs> and in the musical, actually the Beatle has a pretty nice vocal. And the tune of Kiss Me really reminds me of Phantom. Yeah, oh, actually. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, yeah I, I like the quartet, actually, despite it being messy. I thought like they blend really well together. I was very happy to hear the Beatles sing because... Even, like, from the very first, like, song, The Ballad of Sweeney Todd. And I was like, wow, that's gorgeous. So I was happy to hear him sing. So we go on to the next song from here. Mrs. Lovett goes upstairs to ask Queenie when Pirelli will come back. Sweeney tells her he murdered him. So she steals Pirelli's wallet and asks Sweeney what to do with the henchmen. So with Toby. Sweeney says he can kill him too. Why not kill him as well? But Mrs. Lovett tries to dissuade him, which gives her few points in my book <laughs> very very few but still um so the judge and the beetle arrive at Sweeney's shop um while this is happening and Sweeney is super excited and um he asks Mrs. Lovett to leave so the judge asks for a shave and Mrs. Lovett tries to occupy Toby with more gin mm-hmm. so Sweeney and the judge sing about like pretty women inspiring love and joy pretty women fascinating sipping coffee Dancing pretty women are a wonder. Pretty women. What do you think about this? It's actually quite cute when the judge was like humming. Yes, that's so too. Yeah. And overall, musically, it's quite a nice song. I enjoyed it. Honestly, my only complaint about this is. It's such a weird time to bring this up too, I guess, but I'll just mention it here. But I really feel like the film overall, the color tone is way too dark. 
Like, it makes the viewing very unpleasant in a way. And I get it that they're trying to paint, like, a dark, grimy picture. But I just feel like they kind of overdid it. Yeah, but that's just my opinion. Totally. Yeah, and when you said about, like, the movie having, like, a very dark tone, honestly, 100%. I feel like a lot of recent movies have the kind of, like, grim, dark undertones where it's really difficult to see what's going on because everything is layered with so much dark blue and black and, like, dark grays. It's almost impossible to, like, actually distinguish what's happening. And my guess is that's that's happening in the movie as well. And in my opinion, probably Tim Burton was one of the originators of this because mm-hmm. that's his style. Yeah, it is his style. Almost every movie. And I think, like, when he was really, really big and was really, really in the height of his popularity, people, like, latched on to that as being an aspect of why he's so successful, which I don't know if it is. Maybe it is. And then they never let it go. And it drives me bonkers. I'm not a big fan of Grim Dark in general. I really like the bubbly and the sweet and the happy. So I wish things were more colorful. But in terms of the song, I actually really, really like the song. It's such a nice song, which yeah. is so weird because it's like between the two adversaries, like the two opposing sides, and both of them are horrible, horrible people in their own right. So the fact that this song is so surreal and so happy almost is is crazy. So like Sonny does his little whistling thing and the judge goes with like the pum, 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 pum thing. Yeah. <laughs> It just sounds so nice together. Um, so I was really shocked. So we're going to like one of the biggest moments in the first act, one of like the most grim dark moments as well. Um, so right before Sweeney murders the judge, Anthony barges in. He tells Sweeney that Johanna is going to marry him on Sunday, and the judge obviously hears it because he's right there. Um, and he vows to lock up Johanna somewhere where nobody can have her. And Sweeney kicks Anthony out, and the judge vows to not return to Sweeney's establishment as well. So Mrs. Lovett tries to calm Sweeney down, but Sweeney is upset about the opportunity he missed, and is scared he will not have another chance. And that's when he reaches his epiphany, um, that everybody deserves to die. To me, it's a very natural development that he would want to pretty much like the revenge to the world almost because everybody did him wrong in in a sense but I feel like it's a very sad moment too because there are good people around him like Anthony yeah and he did have a chance like if he wasn't so focused on the the revenge maybe he could have reunited with Johanna somehow I can see what you're talking about musically it's a very classic Sweeney Sweeney song so I feel like all of his solo songs or all of his solo moments have a very similar note and very similar feel and this one is very much it even though it's one of like the bigger Sweeney solos and Sweeney like is the way that he is right so it is not the most memorable but that's just because it's so grotesque I don't know I don't I cannot find any room within myself to sympathize with him even I do have maybe a tiny bit of sympathy but not empathy that's for sure um, so it is a pivotal moment. I just musically didn't do much to me. It blended with all the other Sweeney songs, and it was just too jarring. I can't say that about the next song, though. So um, the song is A Little Priest. Mrs. Lovett urges Sweeney to follow her to see if Toby is still there. She then asks what to do with Pirelli, and Sweeney suggests burying him somewhere. Mrs. Lovett came to her own realization then that she can bake the people Sweeney murders into pies. 
Uh, that way she can both dispose of the bodies and help her business. Um, so Sweeney really likes the idea and they sing about their partnership. Have charity towards the world, my pet. Yes, yes, I know, Mama. We'll take the customers that we can get. High born and low, Mama. We'll not discriminate great from small. No, we'll serve anyone, meaning anyone, and to anyone at and crime family came together <laughs> I find the part when they kind of flirt and tease each other with um, with the cannibalism puns so interesting yeah. they're like offering each other pies with different versions or like different occupations yeah. yes <laughs> very very <laughs> interesting very clever too and the otters are so cute, especially when, like, Todd smiles, like, when he understood what Mrs. Lovett suggested. Oh, he, had she had, he had that aha moment. <laughs> yeah. um, Character-wise, they're not adorable at all, but the acting is super cute. Yeah, 100%. I, I love the song, too. I think it's a really, really cute song, even though the topic is disgusting and very grim. Um, the song itself is really, really cute. I really like the like the way they interact with each other in a way that is not like just thinking about murder and constantly being brooding because this is like one of the rare moments when we see Sweeney happy. I like that she challenges him. She names like different occupations and um, he tries to rhyme it with like a characteristics about them. And then she springs up like locksmith and he couldn't come up with something. But then she gives up and she gives him like an easier occupation to make him feel better, something that he can rhyme with. And I thought that's such a cute way to show their relationship and how like they interact with each other. So yeah, I think like the acting to showcase their relationship is really interesting. Um, all right, so we are starting the second act. The um, so Toby sings about like the pie Mrs. Lovett makes. They're very popular and both Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney have been doing well for themselves. So Sweeney unveils the new chair he got. So that's the chair we mentioned he calls his little friend. And uh, something that is interesting about this, so as you mentioned, I think before about the costume design, you mm -hmm. see that Mrs. Lovett is very, very poor. And in act one, there is a very, very pronounced change. So Mrs. Lovett is dressed very fancily and yes. Sweeney's also dressed very, very fancily. Um, so it's almost a complete opposite of what it was before. It's very interesting to see. Um, so what do you think about the song, God, That's Good? Honestly, I don't think too much. Like, again, it's one of the messy songs, and I just don't like things that are too out of place. Mm -hmm. um, but this is just my music taste. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, I feel the same way, to be honest. So mm -hmm. I think it's a very good song just to showcase everything to change without overloading you with actual plot. In my opinion, selectively chose something that is more low key just to drive it home without like overwhelming you how everything is different. And in terms of the song, it, apart from me being disgusted that they're engaging in unintentional and unconsensual cannibalism, yeah, I didn't really think anything else. <laughs> All right, so um, we cut to Anthony searching high and low for Johanna, and Sweeney sings about Johanna as well. Um, he shaves and murders another customer, and by the end of the song, um, he says he misses her less and less as the murderous quest com consumes him, and he's ready to say goodbye to her. 
So as Sweeney pulls the chair to dispose of the body, Mrs. Lovett collects the body and cooks it in the fire. And the beggar woman sees this and sings that it is a sign of hell. And she really urges anyone to pay attention to the smell and tell somebody, um, and that somebody is the beetle, to investigate it. Yeah. Um, other than that, like, musically, it's quite nice. Vocals yes. are really great. Yes. And I just, in general, enjoy it very, very much. Also, not a fact, like, what happened, the song is that when a father brings his daughter with him to Queenie's shop, he yes. looks super disappointed because he now he couldn't kill the guy. And I guess, like, maybe in some way that reminds him of Johanna as he sings about her yes, and how he you. misses her. So a very nice tie-up or, like, a very interesting connection there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once again, I totally agree with you, especially musically. I also noticed the thing you noticed about um, Sweeney servicing the father and the daughter was sitting aside. So I think it's that moment when he mentioned that he's ready to say goodbye. And I think it really encapsulates the fact that he was disappointed when he saw the daughter. So he didn't commit the murder because it wouldn't make sense because, you know, he would have to dispose of two bodies and not because he feels for our father and his daughter. And I think that, like, coincided when he says he thinks about Joanna less and less. Um, and that's, like, mattering to him less than the revenge. So I thought, like, maybe that's another way to visually see it rather than just hear the lyrics as well. Right. All right. So the next song is By the Sea. So while searching, Anthony hears Joanna sing Greenfinch and Landbird. And he asks someone what house the noise is coming from. And we learn she's in a madhouse. Mm-hmm. So then um, we cut to Mrs. Lovett, who counts the profit from the past week. Sweeney is like, isn't really listening as we sense a theme of this happening. And Mrs. Lovett is very optimistic about their business and tries to distract Sweeney from his revenge by weaving a holiday fantasy by the sea, where she kind of like proposes in, on his behalf, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't really listen. Interestingly, this is the only scene in the movie that has a very warm color tone to it. Oh. And yeah, it actually has color <laughs> for is the it song in the movie. Is it a fantasy sequence? Sorry? Do you think it's because it's a fantasy sequence? Maybe. And also because that this is her vision, right? And I sure. guess her vision of the future also implies like a more warmer, very positive future together. Musically is an okay song. Honestly, yeah. I don't really have too much thought about it. Yeah. This. I thought it was a bit of a letdown as well. Like, yeah. je- like before that, generally, I kind of enjoyed Mrs. Lovett whenever she sang because she got to inject her personality and whatever. But this one seems a little bit more bland and a little bit less directed towards something. It just seems like a overall reverie of what we've known so far. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was ne- like necessary, to be honest. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to, like, one of the first mishmash of, like, a whole bunch of songs together. So the sequences are Wigmaker sequence, The Bad of Sweeney Todd, Sweeney Waited Too Long, and The Letter. So in here, um, 
Anthony rushes into the pie shop to tell Sweeney he found Johanna, and Sweeney devises a rescue plan. So they will write a letter to the asylum owner, offering him a lot of money for hair, the same shade as Johanna's, and they will make Anthony into like a credible wig maker to pull off their plan. So after Anthony leaves, Sweeney writes a letter to the judge, to Judge Turpin, to warn him of Anthony's plan. And he writes that Johanna will be staying at his shop for the night and asking him to come if he wants to see her again. I find it funny that uh, when Sweeney educates Anthony on what to say in order to get himself inside the madhouse. Yeah. And he's like, do you know what color her hair is? And Anthony goes like, yellow. And Sweeney's like, that's not good enough. Like, yeah. there is different kinds of yellow. So it just kind of reminds me of, like, how, you know, how guys, when they look at the lipstick girls have, and they just all look to sing to them. And it's just very interesting. So I actually kind of laughed at that part. But other than that, I don't really feel too strongly about the songs here. Yeah. For me, actually, what I liked is Sweeney is the one that, like, really knew the ins and outs of the wig maker. And I think that's because he was a barber, right? So he probably has some technical expertise, like, you know, shaving people and working with hair all the time. So I thought, like, that's that's a good way to, like, weave in his past. But in terms of the song, I didn't think much of it. To be honest, I didn't even really remember it all that much. Like, I remember it very, very faintly. The next song, though, Heartbreaking. So we cut to Toby and Mrs. Lovett. She is again, very, very motherly towards him and is knitting him a scarf and he tries coming onto her um, in Not While I'm Around, but she rebuffs yeah. him since she's in love with Sweeney. No one's gonna hurt you No one's gonna dare Others can desert you Not to worry Whistle, I'll be there Demons will charm you with a smile for a while, but in time, nothing can harm you, not while I'm around. So, um, at the end of the song, Mrs. Lover takes out her wallet because she had like a bonbon there or something, and Toby recognizes it as Pirelli. And then, like, we see Toby piecing out the information, like, more and more. And I think it's, like, a really clever way to, like, plan something that is really small, like Mrs. Lover taking Pirelli's coin purse, like, just for the money of it and keeping it around. And, Mm -hmm. like, it causing a huge issue later on. So what do you think of the song? So I like the song. I feel like she kind of treats Toby as the child she never had. Mm -hmm. And it's very sad because as Toby recognized the wallet, she had to go lock him up in the basement. Yes. She had to decide that she is going to murder Toby and taking out the picture in order to protect Sweeney. And that is such a big decision, especially in a movie. She definitely has feelings for, for Toby as a mother. But just yeah. in the end, when it comes down to protecting Sweeney versus that, she chose Sweeney like without hesitation. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Very sad. Ashley, do you think it's a romantic love that Toby has for Mrs. Lovett? Or does he also take Lovett as his mother? No, I think I read it as romantic love. And I think that's okay. why she constantly called him child. And I think like the fact that they have this number, it makes what happens afterwards all the more sad, <laughs> all the more yeah. tragic. Because yeah. like without this, we don't have the kind of connection, intense connection they actually have. So 
<laughs> this number is necessary and is heartbreaking all the same. Yeah, but moving uh, on. Yes. So um, we're going to group the next bunch of songs together as well. We have three parlor parts, parlor song parts. So Mrs. Lovett offers Toby to come and help her bake the pies, and she leaves him in the bakehouse as Toby grinds the meat, and then she leaves him. And then um, Mrs. Lovett looks for Sweeney to tell him about Toby and what he figured out as the beetle enters the shop. And he informs her there have been several complaints about the bad smell coming from her chimney in the bakehouse, and he asks to inspect it. So Mrs. Lovett suggests that before inspecting the bakehouse, Sweeney will give him a shave, and the beetle enthusiastically accepts this. So Mrs. Lovett plays her harmonium to drown any noise coming from the beetle's murder, which is what happened when he gets the shave. And meanwhile, Toby eats one of the pies and discovers a hair and a nail in it. And then he finds out Mrs. Lovett locks him in. Honestly, like, I think that's the gist of all of it together. So it's a very heavy sequence, to be honest. What do you think of it? One thing that is different in the movie is that in the musical, like you said, he found out a hair and a fingernail. And in the movie, he found out a thumb. So... Oh my god, visually so shocking. I did not enjoy that at all, but that's what happened. And in terms of the songs musically, I I like Beatles' vocal, but it's just not much. Yeah. yeah. And I think like Sweet Polly Blanket, which is the song that appears twice within the sequence, it doesn't really have much purpose. It's like the throwaway yeah. song, to be honest. Alright, so we're coming into the final sequence. I'm going to list all the songs that are mashed together and then we'll just discuss it. But this is something that is really, really heavy. It's like the last 20 minutes. So it's a it's a very good chunk. So um, the songs that are um, in the sequence are The Ballad of Sweeney Todd, The Engine Roared, The Motor Hissed, Fog's Asylum, City on Fire, Searching, Amis Reprise, Beggar Woman Lullaby, The Judge's Return, The Ballad of Sweeney Todd, Lift Your Razor High, Sweeney, and The Final Scene. So all of these songs sound like a lot, but they're very insignificant if you counted them alone, so that's why we're grouping them all together. So um, Anthony enters the asylum, and he tries looking for Johanna. Then Anthony threatens the asylum owner with a pistol, but cannot fire it. Um, So instead, Johanna grabs it and kills him. And Anthony and Johanna runs away. By the way, in the movie, this did not happen. Johanna did not kill him. She left him to um, the other crowd that was also kept in a madhouse. So he was torn apart by the other patients that was kept there. Yeah. Talking about cannibalism. Yes. Uh, Oh, they ate him. Yeah. I think so. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I did not need to know that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So this happened in City on Fire. So, yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, like, the... Because there was no asylum owner, like the rest of the um, inmates, I guess that's what they were, in the madhouse went throughout the city. So this is why it's called City on Fire. Meanwhile, Sweetie and, Sweeney and Mrs. Lovett <laughs> search for Toby. And um, Anthony and Johanna arrive at Sweeney's shop, discovering it's empty. And Anthony goes to look for Sweeney um, and asks Johanna to stay at the shop for her own safety. And this is happening in a Miss Reprise. So the beggar woman goes into the shop to look for the beetle, and Johanna, who hears her call for the beetle, hides in the trunk, the same trunk that Sweeney hid Pirelli. And the beggar woman remembers something after being inside a shop and starts singing a lullaby. Sweeney shortly arrives thereafter and tries to, like, shoo her out. 
So she kind of like begins to recognize him, but Sweeney sees the judge coming and quickly slits her throat and disposes of her. So the judge arrives looking for Johanna and Sweeney tells him she is with Mrs. Lovett downstairs and that Johanna wants to marry him. She's really repentant. She seeks his forgiveness. Sweeney says he can hear Johanna making herself even prettier than usual before seeing the judge and the judge asks him to help him get ready as well. So Sweeney urges him to sit in a chair and reveals who he really is right before murdering the judge. So after getting his revenge, Sweeney cleans his knives. But when he leaves, um, Joanna comes out of the trunk because she thinks she's safe. So when he comes back, Sweeney sees her. Um, And before Sweeney murders her, she escapes because Mrs. Lovett screams and distracts him. So Sweeney rushes to the bakehouse to see what's happening with Mrs. Lovett and sees the two dead bodies of the judge and the beggar. Sweeney is about to dispose of the body of the beggar when Mrs. Lovett urges him not to go next to her. He doesn't listen, and when he gets close to the, to the dead body, he recognizes her as Lucy, his wife. So Sweeney confronts Mrs. Lovett about her lying to him, and she said that she never lied since Lucy did take the poison, but didn't die of the poison. She went, um, went insane instead, and she finally confesses that she didn't tell Sweeney because she loves him. So Sweeney suddenly gets over his grief really, really quickly, over killing his wife, and asks to dance with Mrs. Lovett, so he tries to be really cheerful. As they dance, Sweeney directs them towards the oven, and when they get close enough, he throws Mrs. Lovett in and cradles Lucy's dead body and sinks to her. So Toby comes out of his hiding, driven to insanity as well. Um, So as Sweeney mourns Lucy, Toby finds his razor, and he kills Sweeney. So the cop enter right after this, so right after he kills Sweeney, with Anthony and Johanna. And Toby doesn't really notice them, he just continues doing what Mrs. Lovett instructed him to do, so to grind the meat grinder. And the story ends there with the cast singing the final scene. So what do you think about this final scene? A lot happened, a A lot lot happened. So in general, obviously very sad scene. I think it's shocking to people who watched it first. I don't know, did you guess it? When you watched it? I I knew the plot before. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So not much surprise there. No. (laughs) Yeah. I remember when I was a kid and when I watched it, and I'm not used to, like, plot twists like this. Mm -hmm. So I was so shocked. Obviously, now that I've read, like, so many different type of stories, like, this type of plot twist is not all that surprising anymore. Mm -hmm. But still. And, um... I think this musical really has its place in all musical in general, not just because this musical is about murder and crimes, but also the ending is so tragic. I like the ending in the way that, first of all, it again echoes the first song. Yes. It leaves a very creepy vibe in general. So you're kind of like finished watching with this feeling of like, oh my God, what did I just watch? And I, not saying that I enjoy it, but like, I think that sort of emotion that you can feel from a production is very... It's satisfying. Yeah, it's very satisfying Mm -hmm. in a weird way. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. But what do you think? So I was okay with the musical up until the parlor songs Mm -hmm. so like the second half of act two and then I really could not deal with the musical personally like everything went to shit too much for me and not in a way that I like or enjoy and or could tolerate I really appreciate musically I think musically is very very nice especially the final sequence when you get so many impressive callbacks to all the songs that happened so far 
So I understand and appreciate it. But from a personal point, I hated it. I could not. It's just not my thing, you know? So the way I feel about it is very similar to the way I feel about Miss Saigon. So Miss Saigon, again, beautiful, beautiful songs. And I still think about the songs and have, like, hear them in my mind. But the content is not the greatest. Mm-hmm. And in here, the content is also good if it's your thing. It's just really, really not my thing. So for me, the content, the content of this is deplorable and disgusting um which which are very harsh words but again this is like from my personal perspective but i can still appreciate the mastery that goes into making this musical yeah i can i can understand that i i understand it's not up to everybody's taste and honestly the cannibalism the murder the crime like it's not for everyone yeah and I think there should be room for this in musical. Like, I don't think this should, shouldn't exist or anything. It's just like, I recognize this is not my thing. And I think it's okay. Like, you won't like any, everything. Everybody has their own taste. So even though it's not for me, I can still understand why it's really, really good. And I'm really glad if you enjoy it. I know it's really important to a lot of people. And a lot of people really, really like it. And I can see why. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so final scores? Yes. Um, I'm gonna give it five out of ten harmoniums. Okay, okay, that's not too bad. I'll give it six out of ten razors. Oh, yeah. I think in general, I like the story and I like how it's dark and you know, I talk about all things about crime and stuff. But musically, I just thought that it could do nicer. They they can do better. I'm so opposite of you. I was like, the only really? reason I've given it five is because of the music. I was so impressed. No, they they have way too many songs that I don't think is necessary, and okay. it's just way too short and it's just too too messy for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah, the only song that I think wasn't necessary was, like, By the Sea. But, yeah, I could totally see where you're coming from. The only reason for me where it got five is because of the music, and the only reason for you that it got six, I think, is because of the plot. <laughs> so we, we complement each other. It's good. Exactly. It's, <laughs> all right. So that so concludes Sweeney Todd. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, if you want to shout at us about this episode or any other episode, you can find okay. us on the Podway Podcast on reddit on instagram and on twitter and you can also email us at podwaypodcast at gmail.com thank, thank you, you all for listening next time bye, bye.